All right, this morning we're going to be continuing in our series in John, uh, which is entitled The Word. Uh, we're in John chapter 20 today. Uh, so if you want to turn your Bibles there or on your phone, uh, navigate to that area. We're also going to stop off in Luke 4 a little bit, which I forgot to put that verse on. Uh, but that'll be in Luke chapter 4, starting around verse 16. Um, but uh, we'll be going through this, and we're, last week as we were there, we were kind of looking at uh, the morning where Jesus was resurrected, and Mary heads back to the tomb, and Jesus' body isn't there, and then there's a foot race between John and Peter, and, and John wins, um, and then Mary's having this interaction with Jesus towards the end of that, uh, and again, what he says to her is, don't cling to me. Um, and that was kind of that odd statement that we looked into and that idea of, of not clinging on to where she was holding on as though he, she never wanted to let him go or, or to move from that moment uh, of recognizing or, or seeing that he's alive uh, and saying you know, to ourselves that we can't just uh, cling to um, Christ but then to also we need to go about and be about the business and the calling that he's given to us. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at that uh, this morning a little bit more uh, because, again, one of the reasons why Jesus still needed to leave and he was telling Mary not to cling to him was from John chapter 16, verse 7. Uh, he says, it's for your benefit that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, uh, I will send him uh, to you. Uh, and so just as a reminder, because we're going to be touching on some of that again here today. So uh, let's pray and then we'll head into John chapter 20. Lord, we come before you um, thankful for your holy word. Uh, we pray that it would be life to our uh, bodies, to our souls, and to our minds this morning. I pray that you would guide my words uh, as we look through these scriptures, that you would guide all of our hearts, that you would uh, do the work that you need to do in each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. Um, and so this would have been that, that Easter evening. Uh, and so like that resurrection had happened. Um, this is that morning where Mary would have been there. Peter and John would have been there. Again, they didn't see Jesus. They just saw the empty tomb. Uh, so it was in that evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Uh, and so I just want to pause there for a moment and again kind of set that scene. It's evening time. They're all kind of in this upper room uh, together. The doors are locked because they're afraid of the Jews. Um, and they're wondering if they're going to be next. Like, like Jesus had already been pursued, he'd been arrested, he had been uh, convicted and then sent to the cross and executed. Uh, and so they're wondering, like, are they going to be coming for the rest of us? They're, they're in fear here in this. Uh, and part of that fear is also understanding that even though Mary went uh, and told them that she had seen Jesus, uh, Mark chapter 14 uh, tells us that they didn't believe her. Uh, for whatever reason, they, they didn't believe her testimony that she had seen Jesus. Uh, and so because of this, they're, they're almost feeling like the whole city might be against them. They're wondering what they're supposed to do next. Uh, and so they're sitting in this locked room. Continues on here then. Uh, Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. I can almost imagine it's like, again, I love imagining this kind of stuff, but they're, they're, here's this locked room, they're kind of praying, they're having this conversation, what are we going to do next? Like, Mary says she saw Jesus, but you know, Mary, like, I don't know, 
we don't believe her. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up in this locked room, right? Like, like I don't know if it was a thing where, like, Frodo takes off the ring and just, poof, he's there. Or, or, or he walks through the wall or, or what. But, but he's all of a sudden there in the upper room. And it says that he shows them his hands and his side. So, like, he all of a sudden appears and he's like, hello, you believe Mary now? Like, here I am. And I could almost imagine Mary sitting there saying, like, I told you guys. Right? And, and so the disciples rejoice when they see the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, So there's going to be three things that we look at in this passage. Um, As the Father sent me, I also send you. Uh, His statement, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, And then his statement, peace to you. The first one that we're going to look at this morning is, uh, as the Father sent me. And as the way that this is written within the original language, it's saying, you know, as the Father sent me, I also send you. The, the way that this is written is, is almost in saying, in the exact way I have been sent by the Father, in that exact way, in that same way, I am now sending you forth. And so then we just start looking at all these different passages within Scripture about how Jesus uh, was sent out into the world and what he was meant to do and recognize that he's saying in the same way he was sent, so also are we sent. Uh, This passage in Luke chapter 4 where he comes uh, and he's heading to Nazareth. It says in verse 16, he walks into a synagogue on the Sabbath day to read. Uh, Verse 17, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Unrolled the scroll. He found the place where it's written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. So if Jesus is saying here, and he is, according to the original language, in the same way he was sent, so also are his disciples, so also are we sent. We look at passages like this, and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on us because he's anointed us to preach good news to the poor. He has sent us to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We're sent to do that same thing. We're sent to proclaim the gospel. We're sent to do these same things as Jesus. We even look to a passage uh, that we're familiar with in John chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to skip ahead a few here on this. Uh, For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So this is the purpose that Jesus has sent into the world, right? The same purpose is now in the church uh, in order for us to be sent as Jesus was sent. Now in this passage, we look at it. For God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son, but he also loved the world in this way that he has now equipped and commissioned the church 
to proclaim the good news of Jesus so that everyone who believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son or the church into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus Christ. In the same way that Jesus was sent, we are sent. We're called to be his ambassadors. We're, we're, we're called to share the gospel. We talked about this on Wednesday night um, at the equip meeting that we had and, and what that means and how we share our testimony and, and to be able to proclaim the good news. Uh, and it's about all of what God has done within our life. But th- there's more to it than just this ongoing mission of Jesus Christ. In the same manner as Jesus went, we also are to go. John chapter 5 Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing, and he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And so Jesus, as he sent, even then, he's saying, okay, I'm just doing what the Father tells me to do. We often go off and spend time alone with the Father in prayer in order to seek His will, and then He would go and do what the Father has called Him to do. In His ministry, He declared over and over again that what He does is for the Father, in the Father, and by the Father. The whole of Jesus' life was to be on mission. Which means that if we're sent as Jesus was sent, our lives then should be the same. Do we seek Jesus' heart, direction, and mission. It is what we do for Jesus, in Jesus, and by Jesus. The Father sent him, he's sending us in the same way so that we can do nothing of our own accord, but only what we see Jesus doing. This means that we're those ambassadors, that, that we are proclaiming the reconciliation that was accomplished through Jesus' death on the cross, the forgiveness of sins, the, the hope of everlasting life, the freedom from sin and pain and sickness and all of these things. He's it's sending the church. That God's plan for salvation includes and involves us. Jesus, even as he was facing difficult things, as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, about to head towards uh, prosecution and then the cross, says, not my will be done, but yours be done. Do we have that same mindset? Not my will, not our will be done, but the will of the one who sent us. Do we ask the question, do we spend time alone saying, what would you have me do today? Is that the first thought in our morning? That that sense of my purpose of being here, my mission of being here on earth, of being alive, this breath that I take is for the glory of Jesus Christ, to, to make him known. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to plan my day? Now, there's different functions that we ha- Jesus had to eat, right? Jesus had to get dressed. Jesus had to spend time with other people. But he would do so seeking the Lord and then doing as he was called, Perhaps one of the reasons that as Christians uh, the church has little impact in the world today uh, is because we lose sight of the fact that our purpose in life is to be God's mission. The one that was given to us at the Great Commission. 
The passage that we're looking at here is John's account of that great commission. As I have been sent, so I'm sending you. Matthew 28 puts it this way. Jesus came here and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So go declare, make disciples, live together, pursue Jesus uh, to make him known. Mark 16 has the Great Commission this way. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes, they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. Luke chapter 24 puts it this way. This is what's written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things, and look, I am sending you what my Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you're empowered from on high. So again and again and again and again in each of the Gospels, they're taking this great commission and Jesus is declared it and each of the apostles is saying, we need to make this known. It's in each of the Gospels and they're each showing a different facet of this from we are sent the way that Jesus is sent to go make disciples of all nations. Uh, in Mark, there's these signs and wonders that are accompanied with the proclamation of the Gospel. Uh, and some of those people try and manufacture. Like, like we hear the snake handling that happens like within the Appalachian Mountains and people dying because they're bit by snakes. And like... That's not being led by the Holy Spirit when you try and manufacture these things. You're doing it within your own strength. Luke chapter uh, 24, it's saying that again, that we're going to be clothed with this power uh, on high. This being sent as Jesus has been sent feels massive. It feels lofty. Right? Like, like if we woke up every morning saying, I'm sent as Jesus was sent. His mission is my mission. I'm supposed to do what he did. Uh, how many of us would be like, all right, let's throw off the covers and let's get into this. Right? Because as we read through this and everything that Jesus did, like, like it's absolutely amazing. And, and he was God and man and without sin. And how could we ever compare? How could we ever do what he did? It feels impossible sometimes because of the thoughts that we wrestle with, the accusations of the enemy that tries to worm its way into our minds and our thoughts, the, the difficulties that we have in life, any shame that we're carrying, feelings of failure, like, like all of these things can compound within it. But again, as Christians, what we're called to do is to anchor our identity and our calling and our purpose solidly in the truth. And the truth is, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I send you. And there's good news in this, though. Because deeply connected to Jesus saying, as the Father sent me, I also send you, is what happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. 
So again, he lived on this earth for about 30 years, but just before his, his public ministry began, one of the first things he did was went to get baptized. And as he was baptized, and as he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. At the beginning of the ministry of the church, Jesus here is saying, as I was sent, I'm sending you. And then he declares, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, dove doesn't come at this point, and the, the full reception and empowerment of the Holy Spirit uh, is completed at Pentecost with the, the tongues of fire. But Jesus also does something very symbolic within this passage. It says, he breathes. He breathes. The word for breath in Greek is pneuma, which also means wind or spirit. Within the Old Testament, that word was ruach, which means breath, wind, or spirit. And this sense of Jesus saying, receive the Holy Spirit as he breathes, brings a couple passages into mind. First is Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. For the Lord formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed ruach, breath, wind, spirit, breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Ezekiel chapter 37. He said to me, this is Ezekiel within his dream and vision, prophesy to the breath, this is that ruach, breath, wind, spirit. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says, breathe, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet as a vast army. Breath has been used in many different times within the Old Testament to, to convey this spirit at work and life beginning, life re-entering into something. And so I don't think it's an accident that John has this within his testimony of the Great Commission. Now, this breathe, receive the Holy Spirit, where it says Jesus breathed, uh, the original language is not saying he breathed into their nose. So he didn't walk around and do like CPR on each of the disciples. Like, all right, use the Holy Spirit. And walk up to somebody else's face. And here's a, you know, and they literally had to like breathe in his breath and, you know, pre-COVID and masks and all that. So, so it's not saying that he did that. He, he didn't go and, and breathe into each one of them. And, and in that, because that would cause all kinds of difficulties. Because at this moment, Thomas isn't there, right? Or, or what about the rest of the disciples or the apostles that weren't there at this moment? Paul wasn't there at this moment. And so that would have excluded them from that. But, but Jesus does something significantly here with breath. Otherwise, why would John mention it? Like, I, I've been breathing this whole time. Right? As I've been speaking to you, has anybody noticed the way I breathed until I, like, did some weird things? Not really. You've been breathing this whole time. And, and there was nothing of, of note. You maybe even forgot that you were doing it until I said it now. And you're like, oh, yeah, now I'm breathing. And, all right. Anyways. But, so something significant happened here to the point where John took notice of it. Where Jesus intentionally did something with his breath as he said receive the Holy Spirit. And, and it was this symbolic um, action that shows this life coming and this power coming 
through the Holy Spirit in order to empower ministry and spiritual life. That it's only done through that, and it's at the beginning of the commission of the church. As I've been sent, I'm sending you. As I receive the Holy Spirit, as I begin my ministry, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit as you begin your ministry. You're not alone, and you're not doing this within your own strength. We need to, repli- we need to rely upon the Holy Spirit for the work of this ministry given to us. And, and the point is, Jesus did. I don't know if you ever realize that, but as we look at everything that Jesus did within his life, all of his ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit. It came down like a dove that landed uh, upon him. Jesus was both fully God and fully man, but Philippians chapter 2 tells us this, that we should adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ, who existed in the form of God, and and this form of God, the way it's written, is the exact same form of, of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant and taking on the likeness of humanity. In other words, Jesus is sitting there with all of of the Godhood. I I, I think of that, um, what's popping in my head right now is Aladdin and the genie. You know, he's like, phenomenal cosmic powers, itty bitty living space. You know, and he's in that tiny little thing, but then he's using his powers to accomplish stuff. Uh, Jesus, what this passage is telling us, he's like phenomenal cosmic powers that spoke all things into existence, that hold all things together, that know all things, that know every single hair on your head, that knew you in your womb uh, before you were fully formed, like, like all of that. These phenomenal powers, I'm not touching them. That's what this passage is telling us. That he's not touching them. And so then, as he goes on in his ministry, and he heals people. People are raised from the dead. As he senses what's in their mind, and as he speaks to them and ministers to them, is not him accessing his godhood. It's him relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. We go back to that passage uh, in Isaiah or the one that was quoted, rather, in, in Isaiah. Um, in Luke chapter 4. He writes the scroll from Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit of the Lord is on Jesus. That's what he's saying. It's fulfilled in your hearing. Again, Philippians 2 tells us all the powers of God and and chose not to use them and instead chose to rely upon the work of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as he lived in the form of a man as he walked on this earth. This, This is a profound understanding. Because as he was fully manned, relying upon the Holy Spirit, that's how he did his ministry. And what he's saying is, as I was sent, so I am sending you with the Holy Spirit. 
with the anointing of the Holy Spirit in order to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set free the oppressed. Jesus did this to set an example for us as we continue his ministry. This is what he says then in John chapter 14. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Do you remember also what happened when he went to the Father? The sending of the Holy Spirit. I have to go to the Father so I can send the Holy Spirit. You're going to do the same things I'm doing because I'm going to the Father and the Holy Spirit is coming. His entire ministry was empowered by the Spirit. And that's what he relied on to model for us that that's what we are to rely on. So that when he calls us to do the same work that he has done, we're able to rely on the same thing that he relied upon. To trust the same thing that he trusted. And so when he says to do these same things that he has done, he's already shown us that it's possible. Now, Jesus was perfect without sin. He didn't have these blocks that we have within our, our, our minds and our emotions and our understandings of our identity. But what it does show us is that as we push to live fully in the identity that Jesus died to give us at the cross, the more trust and reliance that we're able to have on the Holy Spirit and the truth of everything that he did for us comes into place. The fact that as he calls us to be ambassadors, that he calls us for our entire lives to be about Jesus, in Jesus, and for Jesus, that it's all in reliance upon the Holy Spirit. And it's this equipping of the Holy Spirit then that gives us peace, which is that second or the, the third thing for this morning. He comes into the room, he says, peace be with you, and then he says, um, again, I say, peace be to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. This peace is deeply connected to the work of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, uh, Jesus says, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. Verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Again, peace deeply connected to the work of the Holy Spirit within us. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. My peace I leave with you. Calling you to do crazy things for, for eternity that will have eternal impact. But you can do it in peace and in power because of the Holy Spirit. And it's this equipping of the Holy Spirit that we begin to see in this really, really dramatic way in the lives of the disciples and the apostles. Again, we started off this message in this passage where they're sitting in a room with the doors locked, worried about what's going to happen to them. By Acts 4, with the equipping of the Holy Spirit, they're standing before the same people that condemned Jesus to death in the same religious court that Jesus was condemned to die. They're standing in that same place, and those same people are saying to John and to Peter, stop this, or, or we're going to kill you. And their response 
because of the peace and the Holy Spirit is, we can't stop. We have no choice but to continue to do this. We must be bold. That's because of this peace. That's because of the reliance on the Holy Spirit. It's this same peace that empowers us to follow the leading of Christ. It's this same peace and power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to overcome sin. Again, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that this spirit that's at work in the resurrection of Jesus is now at work within our lives. Romans chapter 8 says his spirit's at work within us to, to bring life to these mortal bodies. It's this same spirit that's at work to help us to abide in Christ, to speak truth and life to the lost, to manifest gifts of the spirit for the edification of the church. And, and so if if we're here today or we find times in our life that, that we always seem to, to, seems to pop up, where we feel impotent, we feel unable to do what God has called us to do, we feel we don't have the strength to do what God has called us to do, to live the way he's called us to live, to, to have him be our focus, the answer is not to beat ourselves up about it. Because that's what Satan's trying to do already. The, the answer to that is to anchor ourselves in this truth. That, that we are sent and called to live the way that Jesus was sent and called to live. That this includes the Holy Spirit and dwelling within us. Giving us the ability to rely upon him. And, and our greatest struggle is more to set aside our own thoughts to set aside our own judgments of ourselves and to accept this truth and choose to live it out. We have life and life to the fullest because of Jesus' death and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, Lord, I thank you for this passage uh, where you reveal, um, you tell us explicitly that you are sending us as you were sent and, and that it's not just this huge, impossible-seeming task uh, to bring your name and beauty and glory to the ends of the earth, and that we would do it within our own strength. But it is also a declaration of your equipping power in the Holy Spirit to anoint us to do that work. Your promise to prepare us, to transform us, to change us, to heal us, to love us, to teach us, to show us, and to use us in amazing ways that we would never consider on our own. Lord, I pray that you help us to submit to this truth, to seek this truth, to desire this truth, and to ignore and to extinguish with our faith and the shield of faith uh, all the flaming darts of the enemy, all the lies that would tell us that this isn't true or this isn't for us. We thank you for this gift. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.